Hi, this is Parshad Desai and welcome to Pathfinders. Hello there, hope you are doing well. So our guest on the show today is Priyal Kaney, a prolific shooter, a management consultant and a person who is bringing a real social change. I really had a blast talking to her. Our conversation was truly insightful and I hope that it helps you to take the next step in your career. As always, if you like our show, please follow us on Spotify and hope you have a good time listening to this. Enjoy. Hello Priyal, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Pathfinders. Hope you are doing well. Hey Parsha, thank you so much for having me over and I'm super excited for today's podcast session. Yeah, same here. So, I would like to start a bit on your career trajectory. I mean, you have had a very interesting career so far. You have dabbled in sports and excelled at it at, at the highest level. And also you've had stints in the intriguing world of management consultancy. So, can you just lay out how all this started? Of course. So, very honestly, none of this was uh, ever planned. It just happened one thing after another. So, people often ask me that you've planned your career very well. How did you do it? What age did you start planning? So, uh, my very normal or, uh, you know, usual response to them is, uh, trust me, none of this was planned. Of course, I was always a very ambitious uh, student. I knew whatever I do, I really want to excel at it. So, uh, as and when things came my way or uh, whenever I saw there's an opportunity anywhere, I made sure I knocked that door and I gave, I gave it my best. So I think I picked up uh, shooting. I picked up a rifle for the first time at the age of 13. And then there was no looking back. Uh, in the very first uh, 12 to 18 months, I went on from playing for my school to representing Mumbai, then Maharashtra. And I think at the age of 15, I made my first international debut at Germany. And just parallelly, of course, I was appearing for my 10th boards and 12th boards. So I was one of the toppers in 12th boards that actually uh, gave me that validation that I have this academic acumen. Uh, I it, It's not that uh, I'm, I'm a nerd, but I love studying. I love scoring good grades. I'm, very, I'm a very sincere <laughs> student. So I knew that... Uh, as much as I love shooting as a passion, I did not want to continue it at the cost of uh, any of my academic aspirations. So decided to take up chartered accountancy while parallelly keeping up with shooting. So it was just one thing leading to another and I never stopped trying or I never discounted myself. So uh, I'm, I'm very lucky that at the end of it, it was my hard work and a little bit of luck element that a lot of doors opened up wherever I knocked uh, or even if any door didn't open up, I kept at it. I had a high level of uh, perseverance towards thing and now 10 years down the line when I look back I have like managed to tick off a lot of milestones definitely you seem to be a very persistent person who has always grabbed opportunities and I feel that is something which a lot of people like me tend to miss out on so one thing which I would like to ask is you have done a lot you know you have juggled a lot of stuff at the same time so how do you actually kind of uh, you know have the mental strength to grab these opportunities and also kind of manage your time. So any anything on that end, which you would like to throw the light upon? Definitely. So I think a lot of it really uh, stems from my experiences as a shooter because uh, shooting is a very beautiful sport. It's 90% mental. Like people, when generally uh, look at it, they think it's a very physical sport because you wear a 5 kg kit, you are carrying a 6.5 kg rifle for a 3-hour match. But it's, it's just the opposite. It's a complete mind game. It's about how much of 
focus you have how much discipline you have how focused you are on your technique because uh, it's a game of precision so there is no room for getting distracted there is no room for actually uh, not delivering anything but per- perfection so i think all that high level of discipline that uh, got incorporated into my life as a shooter actually just spilled over to the other aspects as a student or uh, you know as a working professional so from there a lot of it came plus when i was with the indian team we used to have a lot of these uh, mental training sessions where they used to tell you how you can really uh, work upon your concentration skills how you can unlock the power of your subconscious mind so i think those are little things that really helped me because at that stage i did not understand the importance of it but when i was appearing for my chartered accountancy exams or otherwise also if i'm focusing on any task at hand i just know that uh, i can very easily like cut off from distractions and just give my 100% to anything i i focus on interesting you know people do tend to uh, have a very myopic view of sports but actually you know sports teaches us a lot apart from the physical advantages i think uh, they also teach us a bit about life and just how to thrive in different situations so although i haven't uh, ever played at a top level like you but i i do i am someone who admires sports and i'm a bit i'm a bit of a sports aficionado so i do watch it so yeah i do uh, kind of collaborate with you on a certain level uh nonetheless last thing uh, about sports i mean you have represented team india you've had the honor of wearing uh, a national badge so can you just throw light on that experience how are like the one thing which i would like to ask is how are indian athletes perceived uh, in the european circuit and even in the asian circuit uh, like could you just throw some light on that of course so i think i'll take your questions in two parts the first part was uh, me and my dream for uh, playing for india so yeah. very honestly uh, when i started shooting i was just 13 and that time it it was less about you know playing for india or it was less about representing the country i remember i used to uh, go for these national level matches with my mom and then i used to see the indian team wearing the the t- india t-shirt wearing the tricolor track suit and that is exactly what intrigued me and i i remember my very first nationals i told my mom i was like i want that jersey so for me it was more uh, about the about getting the jersey the chase for wearing that jersey for earning it uh, and you know not just buying any other india jersey and wearing it that actually uh, gave me that push or gave me that motivation to uh, find a spot or to you know earn my spot in the indian team but once i got in uh, after my first international i i really understand understood that how much of a responsibility is it, it is when you're actually representing an entire nation you're carrying a lot of responsibility there are expectations it's it's not just a passion sport or a hobby that you started in school anymore so which is why uh, anytime anyone asks me which is your most favorite international competition you've played uh, i undoubtedly it was my very first one because I did not perform my best it, it was not one of my personal best internationals or uh, any great experience but that the dawn of that realization that you know this is this is not just your passion anymore but much more because now you're carrying the responsibility of an entire nation was actually the turning point in my career as a rifle shooter and coming to the second half of the question as to how indian athletes are perceived by european counterparts so I think within the games village it's it's a very uh, fun and healthy environment uh, on the outside it looks like you are representing india or you are from a germany or you are from an from the netherlands or something of that sort but when you are staying in a games village where there are like hundreds of countries under one roof thousands of sports person everybody is 
dining in the same dining hall everybody is using the same gym the same uh, workout track it's it's as if you're one big family like so many times uh, i have so many of my friends from other countries i just uh, end up uh, chilling with them most of the time it just feels as if you're one the kind of sportsman uh, should spirit that is there in that environment is just invaluable so uh, i think we really don't care about you know which sport one belongs to at that time or which country that one belongs to it's it's all about that entire spirit of friendship and the spirit of meeting someone who shares an equal passion for sport that matters well that's a very uh, you know beautiful sneak peek into the world of sports and uh, it's fascinating for me how you talk about this universal sports camaraderie between universal international athletes so so yeah so how did you crack the most wanted job in india that of a, of a management consultant i mean you do have a wonderful profile but still you do need certain on the uh, skills like on the feet thinking so like uh, what was that like so very honestly uh, when i finished my chartered accountancy i was really confused about what next because while i was in the course i was of the notion that audit or tax or financial reporting are the next best options for me but once i started approaching the fag end and really started speaking to a lot of seniors about what opportunities i can uh, eye on or what organizations i should start looking at that's when i realized that uh, post the post qualification there are a lot of other opportunities also uh, beyond the traditional routes that are otherwise available to a ca that i can pursue which is when i started looking at uh, other diagonals like investment banking consulting and after a lot of research i actually uh, felt that consulting is something that really aligns with uh, the kind of person i am or the kind of exposure i would like to uh, start off my career with where i get to work on a lot of projects across different industries it's a direct client facing role uh, there are a lot of people skills required communication skills required there's always a steep learning curve because uh, it all depends on the kind of project you're looking at the kind of client the specific business model or the need you're trying to address so keeping all these things in mind it was a very conscious decision to uh, you know uh, switch to consulting but then came the next big part of how to make sure that i'm fit for a consulting role what organizations i should look 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 at so there was a lot of research i actually uh, had a lot of check-ins with my friends and seniors working in consulting of how i could strengthen my profile how my cv should be Uh, specifically curated to actually get shortlisted for these interviews how does a case based interview work how can uh, because it's very traditional from any other technical interview because it's uh, driven largely by the interviewer and uh, many times you are asked out of the box questions so there was a lot of uh, research and practice that went into it before i actually entered my first interview for consulting and then keeping in mind all the other opportunities i have i i knew where i wanted to be and i took a decision accordingly Mm-hmm. right so like uh, do you think consulting firms prefer more of generalists or people who are really deep into a particular niche uh, what's your perspective i think on this i would love to know that so i think it uh, really depends on the stage of the career and the firm but the general tendency at least i have observed uh, is if you are an early career professional generally consulting firms pick you up as a generalist because you still don't have the subject matter knowledge of a particular niche or domain whereas if you are someone who already comes with 5 6 years of work experience working in a particular industry or a niche then you there's a there's a let, greater chance for you to be absorbed as a lateral hire by a consulting firm uh, and as a specialist for that particular niche correct correct right so could you just talk a bit about you know what a, a standard day in the life of a consultant is for those who aspire to be one 
Oh, so uh, that's uh, a very common question that I get asked. So I think uh, it, it really depends on the kind of team you're working with or the kind of organization you're working with. But most importantly, I would say, irrespective of uh, all of that, there will always be a steep learning curve. Uh, I, and I think it's safe to say that because from whatever experience I've had within consulting, there is so much you get to learn with every project or every passing week or month because you're going to get a lot of you're going to get exposed to a lot of different uh, kind of complex business problems and uh, it's it's up to you to really immerse and try to make sure that you have key takeaways from each one of them so there'll be a, a lot of research even when you're just sitting in calls within the team when there are brainstorming sessions going on with the client the kind of exchange of information that happens is is also so enriching you get to really firsthand learn uh, about how businesses are working and how uh, people, senior consultants in your team actually have the acumen or the problem solving skills, their perspective of looking at things, how they, you know, kind of destructure everything down and, and come up to solutions. So it's it's always going to be a steep learning curve, which is why you'll always be expected to be on your toes. So if you're someone who's really uh, up, open to that kind of opportunity or ready to absorb that kind of rigor, then you should definitely consider consulting. Right. So I guess uh, being open to learning new things every day and at a consistent basis is one of the most important skills to being a consultant. Is that right? Yes, correct. Correct. So I think another major myth about consulting is that uh, people actually don't know what the uh, kind of work that they have to do, whether you're in finance or strategy, especially in strategy. So like, uh, could you talk about some of the projects or, you know, uh, kind of work that you've done? in your years at management consulting if you could just throw some light on that and give the listeners uh, a view on that so i think the kind of problems that you will be solving as a consultant largely depends on which vertical that you choose to work within consulting because consulting as a career is vast and within consulting also there are sub verticals such as strategy there is public policy there is social impact there is tech consulting for example if you be working in strategy you can uh, consult any business right uh, from increasing their revenue to cost reduction in public policy you will be consulting uh, the governments of states or countries under tech consulting you will be working on digital transformation projects and likewise in social impact consulting you will be uh, addressing the business problems being faced by some of the biggest non-profits in the world. So depending on where your area of interest is or the particular niche in which you want to carve a career for yourself, you should pick up the vertical and accordingly the business problems that you'll be dealing with will uh, be decided. Oh, awesome. So uh, you also have started Play and Shine, uh, which is uh, a non-governmental, uh, non not-for-profit organization. So could you just talk a bit about that? Oh, yes. So uh, this is, I think, my favorite topic because Play and Shine is uh, my baby. I started, off, started it off in 2018 when I was uh, just finishing my master's and also at the fag end of my chartered accountancy. So uh, honestly, never had the idea of starting my own social organization. Had always worked in the non-profit space as a volunteer and I just knew that once CA is over and uh, my masters are over and I'm going to have that kind of time to uh, actually uh, devote back to working in the non-profit space, I started talking to a lot of my friends who were also involved in that space as to which organization they're working with or what are the different kind of uh, projects I can look at because 
my interests have always been uh, child development. Before this also, I had worked with uh, CRY and a few other NGOs that are associated with child education or bettering the lives of children. So I just knew that is where I wanted to be, uh, which is when uh, one of my friends, uh, now my co-founder, actually approached to me and he said, do you have a passion for uh, improving the lives of children? And then you have a passion for sport. And why not, you know, merge these two things together in a way that you can not only give back to the sports community, but also have the chance to really give back to so many children uh, an opportunity that you've had to pursue sport. And I absolutely loved the idea, but also had these apprehensions uh, as to how I would go about with it, uh, whether people would even resonate with what a sports-based NGO is trying to achieve. So we actually just started off as a non-profit initiative did a few campaigns and projects uh, which hit off very well that actually gave me the validation that I can take the jump and get ourselves registered as a legal entity and take this to the next step. And that's literally how uh, Pre and Shine started. Again, there was no plan. Uh, it was uh, just one thing after another. And after that got my validation, I just knew that, okay, I can take this to the next level. And it's it's been a beautiful journey till now. Almost four years have worked with more than 4,000 children and some great organizations. So I absolutely love the work that I do there. No, I truly respect you for this endeavor of yours. You know, you being a sports person, you must know about uh, what a wonderful impact sports has on a person's life. So just touching up a bit more on this, could you talk about one of the projects of Plain Shine, which uh, was really close to your heart? Uh, so it would be very tough to pick any one project, uh, but most of our projects are really centered around giving access to sport, especially to children who don't know what sport is or have never stepped on the sports field, have never worn sports shoes. So we really target those children at an absolute uh, grassroots grassroot level, children belonging to villages or tribal communities, for, because this only when you go at a village uh, level or at a grassroots level, especially we largely interact with children belonging to tribal communities. They don't even know what sports is. When you first talk to them about sports, they're, they're absolutely confused what you're talking about. Of course, they might have heard of a Virat Kohli or a Sachin Tendulkar in some form or the other, but they still don't know what cricket is, don't know how the basic game works. So our entire uh, idea through Play and Shine is to actually work with such children, introduce them to the concept of sports, help them understand what, what it is, uh, give them exposure to 10 to 15 different sports uh, through a lot of different means, help them develop a liking for any sport, conduct these basic training workshops. And if they really develop any interest to it, then we kind of help take their interest to the next level. So for me, I think the favorite part through every project we work, uh, maybe individually or in collaboration with any organization is actually watching the smile on their faces when they develop a liking for sport or when they uh, step on the football ground for the first time or the first time they actually wear sports shoes and they're, they're so happy and bouncy because, you know, they've got this thing, uh, it's, it's as if they've got spring in their feet and they get so much of confidence that, okay, now I have something to look forward to, something I want to become in life, which otherwise they do not uh, get the chance to even dream of given their entire life that they lead. Wow, that's a genuine revelation for me, you know, people, uh, children not knowing about sports, so... Yeah, it's commendable what uh, brilliant work you guys are doing at Play and Shine. So, uh, full support from me and my audience for that. So, uh, talking about public policy in sports, you know, uh, I get a sense right now that our public policy in sports is a bit reward-centric. 
although uh, certain people like the go sports foundation and the tops foundation are doing good work uh, but do you have any recommendations or any talking points which you know can actually bring a cultural shift towards sports in india because right now what i see is it's very uh, like sports is a leisure it's not a cultural phenomenon like let's say in the united states so how do you think uh, can we change this because uh, you you must know how important sports is so yeah yeah and i totally agree with this and i'm I, i'm glad you brought it up because this was actually one of the strongest points that i had spoken about uh, in my first ted talk where i had uh, spoken about sport for sustainability uh, i just feel there is a major shift in mindset required in the country because we still uh, look at sports as a form of leisure when someone says sport we start imagining our favorite sports stars or we start thinking about entertainment we start immediately picturizing ipl something Uh, about advertisements or brand endorsements so that's that's the kind of first uh, approach we have towards sport we are still yet to look at sport as a medium of ensuring sustainability or a medium by which we can actually uh, build a career on for it, for especially for women in our country if you really uh, if you come across a woman who says i want to build a career in sport a large part of a society still feels that it's it's very tough to uh, establish a career in sport as a woman because they feel how are you going to keep it keep up with it after marriage how can you make a comeback mm-hmm. once you have kids so i just feel an entire notion you needs to break because uh, there is see this under representation of women in sport both on the field and so. in the boardroom and otherwise also we really need to start looking at it as a rewarding career just like every other career stream so i feel there should be a a serious change in it but at the same time i would also say that it's been almost 14 years that i've been in the sports arena and and how the situation was when i started off back in 2008 that has already been a significant improvement than where we are right now in 2020 21 because i remember when i started off uh, shooting was not a popular sport abhinav bindrat still not uh, one that coveted gold medal for india so every time i used to travel yeah. and i used to go on the airport and i used to tell the authorities you know i have my shooting equipment they used to think i'm a cinematographer or someone who's uh, a part of some camera crew and they used to tell me yeah. okay where's your camera and this and then i'm trying to tell them that you know shooting equipment i'm a shooter i have a rifle and the next thing they would be they would just panic because you have a gun and you're dangerous they they were not too open to even the idea that there is a sports rifle because i have a sports arms license they didn't even know something of that sort exists or someone could even own a gun for a sporting purpose but now that has changed now people know rifle shooting they they know about sports rifles they know they have a lot of more knowledge about it i don't face those kind of issues anymore so we've come a long way in the last one decade but still miles to go Yeah, it's intriguing, really. You know, you talked about Abhinav Bindra and the impact he's had. One gold medal, and now everyone knows. So, it's pretty interesting how a personal achievement at a grand level can truly uplift a particular sport. I do hope that uh, Neeraj Chopra's triumph would have the same impact on athletics because we do have the potential to, you know, be a good sporting powerhouse, if not the best. So, yeah, going a bit personal, asking a bit of personal question here. So you know I'm a bibliophile I love reading books so I would would really resonate with this question so have you read any particular books or book which have had a really profound impact on your life Actually I've read a couple of them uh, when I was full time with the Indian team we used to have a lot of these mental training classes so I started looking up on all these books like the power of your subconscious mind or or winning in mind that could actually help me understand more about how mind works or what is the power of visualization 
what is the power of manifestation and that's when i started actually falling in love uh, with this kind of content and i went on to reading it so i love reading these kind of books i think out of all the books i have read winning in mind is my favorite number one because it's written by someone who is a rifle shooter himself and he's really come out about the fact that uh, as a rifle shooter he is a very imperfect person he's he he was not the most disciplined person but how he really started understanding his mind how it works and how that can be uh, really channelized to unlock the power of your subconscious and achieve uh, great things within shooting so firstly love that book have used a lot of exercises in my daily life it actually made me understand what the power of visualization is what the triad state is when your conscious and subconscious actually come together to unlock your best performance so that has been my favorite book so far hmm i'll be sure to add this to my reading list <laughs> so last question so what advice would you give to the priyal who had just started her career and even to you know what advice would you give today to anyone who starts the career like in general so i think one piece of advice if i would like to give to my 15 year old self is do not underestimate yourself i know that for the longest time i have discounted my potential i have always self excluded myself because i felt i'm not good enough or i cannot achieve it but it was once i got out of that bubble or actually put myself out of the comfort zone uh, with no fear that you know if i fail i fail let's let's just face it that actually made me realize that okay i can i can really achieve great things i can even if i don't succeed at the end of the day i'll at least be much ahead or much farther than where i was had i not even tried so that's the same thing i'll probably tell it for, to anyone who's listening to this right now is don't self exclude yourself you don't really know how far you can go till you do not uh, put yourself to test your full potential yeah definitely good point to note for all our listeners you know people do tend to underestimate uh, themselves uh, that's a very valid point so yeah i think this has been a wonderful conversation it's been a great fun talking to you i've learned a lot i hope the listeners will learn a lot too and uh, thanks thanks for taking out the time for this thank you so much parshad and i'm really glad that you're having this podcast and by which you know we get the opportunity to share a lot of the insights from our experiences because i know that uh, as a student or as an early career professional i seek this kind of mentorship and i used to struggle to find people who i can speak to or find people who uh, can share their bit of experience with now if i meet someone who seeks that kind of mentorship a lot of people already reach out to me on linkedin i i never hesitate to help them so if there's anyone listening to this also who would like to get in touch to speak about anything regarding ca or non profits or sports please please feel free to hit me up and i'm always up for a good conversation for sure i'll be i'll make sure that i link your linkedin profile so the listeners can reach out to you thanks again and yeah hope to see you soon okay thank you bye bye as always thank you so much for listening i have added the link to priyal kenny's linkedin profile i will soon also add a upcoming campaign a fundraiser campaign for play and shine so make sure you support that it's a great cause you know when she was talking about play and shine you could actually resonate with the joy which emanated i didn't see her while podcasting but i did hear and feel the pride and joy with which she was talking about a foundation so i hope you learned something from this episode i hope you learned about management consulting about the life of an athlete and also how ngos work in india and with that i thank you and i will see you till the next time have a great day guys